Well, good morning, good morning again. And, uh, and I tell you, um, when I, I, I deal in words, and that's my, that's my deal, right? Um, and, and I don't have enough words to tell you how excited I am to see your faces. Um, I'm, when, I, when I say that, I mean that when you walk through the doors and I get an opportunity to greet you, um, it brings joy to my heart uh, to see people coming back for the first time uh, in a long time, or whether you're here coming through the building, coming to the building for the first time. And uh, we are so, so excited. And for those of you who are watching online, and I wish I could see you, you see me. You have, a, you have such an advantage that I don't have. You see me, but I don't get a chance to see you. Uh, but the joy is just as deep and intense as uh, I have for you as those who are in the building. And, and then the sun is shining. The, when the sun is shining, listen, it's always good to smile, right? And, um, and so very, very grateful to be moving back to a sense of normalcy. And I know it's been a hard season for a lot of us. Um, and it's just good to be back together. So last week we did end our series uh, on kryptonite, and so we're going to start a new series next weekend. But we thought we would do um, we would do a standalone message that um, that we believe is a, is significant as we get ready to move back into the building and as we get ready to move back to a sense of normalcy. And we thought that we kind of we wanted to remind us of who we are. And, um, and what God has called us to go after. And sometimes we have to kind of shift our thinking. We have to begin rethinking about some of the things that, um, that we once thought about. And so today is kind of one of those messages to help us to uh, align our thinking with where we believe God wants us to go. So I, I wanna ask you a question. And I want you to respond to the question. You can write it down or you can get it in your mind um, for, uh, for, for, for this, this moment. So here's the question. Uh, what, is one, what is the best advice you've received, say in the last year, or it could be more than the last year, that has changed your mindset about something? What is one piece of advice uh, or the best advice you've received from someone that has changed your mindset about something. All right, so take a, take a moment, take a, a few seconds to either write it down. If you are uh, watching online, drop it in the chat. What is best, the best advice you've received, whether it's over the last year, the last um, couple of years, could be the last 10 years, that's actually changed the trajectory of your life, the trajectory of your mindset, and life is different today because you took that piece of advice. All right, so let's um, just take a, take a few seconds to think that through. And I'll tell you mine, mine actually happened um, last week. After the service last week, uh, I got some advice about a dog, and, um, and uh, that's kind of begun to change my mindset. I had a guy come up to me after the 11 o'clock and said, hey, if you want to reach 75 years old, get a dog. And so 
uh, I had another guy that I respect. Uh, one of our elders dropped me a text and said, brother, get a dog. And so, uh, so I have begun, it's changing, it's begun changing my mindset as it relates to animals and dogs. And so in the next couple of weeks, Tanya and I are going to go to a kennel to look Y'all make me sick, so we're going to look at a dog. We've not decided we're going to look at a dog. When we broke the news to our middle son, Micah, and our other son, Ashton, and they screamed bloody murder, like, like what are you all doing? Like, like, you can't do this. And Micah said, well, I guess I'll just be visiting you all less. And that's been our plan all along. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, we, we, get, we get advice of, uh, advice about a lot of things, right, to change our thinking. And you know, the, the interesting thing is, is that, that in order for our actions to change, our minds have to change. I mean, we all know this, right? If, if you give a person a million dollars, without changing their mindset about how they relate to money, they will be broke in a matter of weeks. So it's a, it's a mindset shift that has to happen in order for life to be different. That happens, that's, that's true of marriage, that's true of finances, that's true of our, our careers. There has to be a shift in our thinking if we want our actions to change. And, and, and this has been one of those things that I think that's been important, important for me, but I think it's also important for our church. It's important for us as individuals, as families, as singles, as employees and employers, but it's also super, super significant for the people of God and his church. So as we make our way back into the building, as we make our way back to a sense of normalcy, we can't come back with the same thinking that we once had. We actually have to think differently about the way we do life with one another as the believers, as believers in Jesus Christ. And so, so there is a story in the Bible where a man, actually his father-in-law, actually had to help him change his mindset so that his actions might be different, so that he might actually be healthier, so his leadership might be healthier, so the community might be healthier. And I would dare say the same thing for us, that if, if our church, if our community, if our family is to be healthier, if your family is to be healthier, it really is going to take shifting our thinking so that our actions might follow. So, so the, the, the passage is Exodus chapter uh, 18, verses 13 through 23. Exodus chapter 18, verses 13 through 23. And so if you have a copy of the scripture, whether you have your, on your phone or your tablet, or if you have a physical copy of the Bible, you can turn to Exodus chapter 18, and, um, and we can, we'll take a look at this particular passage. For some, this might be a very, very familiar passage. For others, this may be the first time you're seeing this passage 
um, as you uh, might be very new to the, to the Bible. This is, a, this is a classic passage on uh, helping us to rethink uh, leadership and ministry and the way we handle certain kind, our, our influence in people's lives. Now, this, this, is, uh, this is all about uh, Moses, God's leader. But before we get to 18, let me try to set up the, the passage so we, you, you have context behind, um, or at least have context to once we get into chapter 18. So the people of God, they've been delivered from Egyptian bondage, and God has used Moses to do it. So, so they, the, the Pharaoh's army is chasing the people of God, the Israelites, and they get to the Red Sea, and uh, they have the, the Egyptian army chasing them, bearing down. They have the Red Sea in front of them. God tells Moses, raise up your staff, and when he raises up his staff, the waters part, and the people go on the other side uh, on dry land. Now, once they get to the other side, the enemies shift. They no longer, are, they no longer have the enemy of the, uh, the, of the Egyptians. The people of Israel themselves become the enemy. They began complaining about, we don't have food, and we don't have food. We're going to starve in this wilderness. And so God gave them quail and manna, and God fed them. But that wasn't all. They began to complain again, which is just like us, right? Began to complain again. We don't have water. We're going we're gonna to die of thirst out in this wilderness. We, it would have been better if we had stayed in Egypt. And God, uh, Moses, struck the rock in anger and out came water. So God gave them water to quench their thirst. But that wasn't all. They now began fighting the Amalekites. The Amalekites is a strong group of people. As they get ready to go into the land, as they're moving toward the land, this group of people, they, they go up against them, and they are a strong group of people. And Moses, God tells Moses to go up to the mountain, and when you raise your staff, the people of God will be victorious. But when the staff is lowered, you will lose. And that's exactly what happened. Moses raises the staff and they're victorious or they're at least winning the battle. The, the staff is lowered and they start losing the battle. And so God uh, uh, commanded Aaron, Moses' brother, and another leader by the name of Hur, H-U-R, and they held up Moses' arms and the people of God defeated the Amalekites. There was victory. So there's a sense, when we get to 18, there's a sense of settledness that the people of God have now. They have dealt with, you know, God has fed them. He's given them drink. They've defeated the, their enemies. They've crossed the, the, the Red Sea, and now they are settling to live their lives. And that's where we are in 18. And so in, um, there's this sense of this, they are under this unrelenting pressure. And, um, and, and now they have a sense of settledness. 
So this is where uh, Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes to Moses and he says, hey, how are things going? And Moses says, man, things are going great and God has blessed the people. Uh, God has blessed his people and you know something? Things are going well. And then we get to this particular text. And this is... um, Here's the text. This is start the beginning of chapter 18, or the beginning of um, the, the, the text, verse 13. This is what it says. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people. In other words, he's actually sitting down to help them figure out life, to help them figure out conflict to help them learn how to kind of listen to their issues, their problems. And he sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them to know the statues of God and his laws. And check this out. Moses' father-in-law said to him, What you are doing is not good. In other words, it's not healthy. It's not beneficial for you, neither is it beneficial for the people. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out, for the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. So this is Jethro, um, Moses' father-in-law giving him advice. And so he's, he's about to give him advice, but before then he recognizes something. And he recognizes a problem. And here's the problem. Dependency. Unhealthy dependency. In other words, what Jethro is telling Moses is that you and the people have an unhealthy, symbiotic relationship with one another where both of you are fostering unhealthy dependency on one another. In other words, what Jethro is telling Moses is you think you're the only one to answer the people's problems. You think you're the only one who can solve the issues. You think you're the only one that can work the job. And Jethro is saying, wait a minute, Moses, you are full of, I kind of, this is what he's saying, you're kind of full of yourself to think that you're the only one who can do the work. That, that you are just one person and you cannot handle everything. You cannot handle all the disputes. And so, so, so Jethro helps Moses to recognize, number one, that Moses, you are actually helping to foster unhealthy dependency in the community. 
thinking that you're the only one who can do the job, thinking that you're the only one who can answer questions, thinking that you're the only one who has answers for people's problems. And he says, what you're doing is not good. Now Moses sat there like from morning till evening answering people's problems. And, and I think that, that, that I think what Jethro is helping Moses to see, you're not the only caregiver, Moses. There are other people who can help. Moses, you are helping to create an unhealthy dependency on you and nobody else gets to play. And Jethro says, what you're doing is not good. That Moses, you're not the only spiritual doctor to handle people's problems. And yet, I think inadvertently, Moses is actually saying, man, the people come to me, and the people get answers from me. And I can tell you as a pastor and as a leader, I can tell you that there sometimes there's this unhealthy need to be needed, which is not good. Like, I get notes from people all the time, like, if it were not for you, my marriage would have crumbled. And I know better right? I know better. If it weren't for you, we would not have made it. And I know better, but it certainly feels good to hear that, right? And if, if the Holy Spirit is not at work in my life, I walk around saying, I guess I am pretty good, aren't I? You know what I'm saying? That's like, like you have this priestly pastoral aura that if, we're, if it were not for me, things wouldn't happen. And I know that that is the furthest from the truth. And yet Moses, I think, gets caught up in this, this dependency model of ministry, and I think he buys into it a little bit. But I think also the people get kind of caught up in it as well. They're saying that not only, Moses, are you a caretaker, you need to answer my issues, you need to bring my problem, and I'm quite sure they passed hundreds of individuals who could, have, could have, who could have probably helped to answer the problem, but they said, well, hey, get out of the way, I need to see Moses. And even then, the people are creating an unhealthy dependency on Moses. And... And, and the people, more than likely, they probably were spectators and they were uh, resistant, and not just spectators and resistant, but they were, were probably critics. Like, like, you know how, like, like, I've been in line to see Moses, like this, it, it has been three weeks now. Where is his assistant that, like, like, my issue is more important than everybody else's. And, and, and Moses and the people are creating an unhealthy dependency. And Jethro says, what you're doing is not right. It's not good. It's not healthy. It's not beneficial for you, Moses, and neither is it beneficial for the people. It's just a matter of time before you burn out. It's just a matter of time before others around you burn out. There is this sense where you need to spread the wealth. 
You need to give other people an opportunity to play. You need to give and provide other people an opportunity to get in the game. You know the truth is, if, 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 if the pastor and the staff does all the work, it's like people are saying, I guess they don't need anything. I guess they don't need others to serve and help and not just help, but to partner with in ministry. And so we, we see that Jethro brings the problem and the problem is dependency. So, so what's the solution? The solution is a mindset shift. The solution is a mindset shift. The solution is that we have to start thinking differently about ministry. We have to start thinking differently about church. We have to start thinking differently about how God has wired everybody in the church so that there is a, a more healthy, um, a more healthy contribution that's coming from both pastor as well as people. So he say he gives, he gives Moses some advice, and he gives Moses um, three mindset shifts that would lead to a healthier community. And I would dare say, I believe if we take advantage of these mindset shifts, if we take them seriously, it will lead to a different way for us thinking about the church that God has given us, particularly in this new season. So here's the, here's the big idea. Followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus can contribute to the ongoing health of their church by making three mindset, mindset shifts found in this passage in Exodus. Number one, think differently about roles. Think differently about roles. That, um, that the role that, that I play, the role that the church plays, the role that the staff plays, is one of equipping. One of equipping. Listen to the text. It says, now obey my voice. This is Jethro talking to Moses. I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. So this is what Jethro tells Moses, if he is going to create a healthy community, a healthy culture, a healthy family of the people of God, and I would dare say, if we're to create a healthy community, a healthy church, then we must change our thinking about our role. We must change our role from ones that are doing the ministry to ones that are equipping people to do ministry. He says, what you're doing, Moses, is not good. You're answering all the questions. You're doing all the work. Your job, Moses, as the leader, your job as, uh, in, in terms of the one who is leading the people, your job has to be one that equips and trains the people to do the work. What he's selling, what Jethro is selling Moses, you need to teach the people how to live. 
You need to give them tools on where to go to understand the law so when they have a marital problem, they can apply the law to their marriage. They don't have to come to Moses and stand in line. They could actually solve the problem for themselves based on the law. When there's a financial problem, they don't come to Moses. Moses says, Moses has equipped them. He has given them the tools to know what to do. And so they know they can do it in their own homes or they can serve or they can come to smaller communities to say, hey, what do you think I should do? And they wouldn't say, well, go to Moses. Moses has all the answers. No, the people of God has the answers. This is where, this is where the church went off the rails where the clerics had all the answers, the the clergy had all the answers, and the ministry was taken from the laity, and it was all about the preacher, it was all about the pastor, and that's the reason Martin Luther comes along and says, hey, wait a minute, we need to give ministry back into the hands of the people of God. So Jethro tells Moses, change your role. Your role is not to do the work of ministry. Your role is to equip people to do the work of ministry. Does this make sense to anybody? Now listen, listen, this is like, whoa, wait a minute. So you're saying, Marvin, I am going to have to do something. Absolutely. But it's biblical. Listen to what the New Testament says. New Testament says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, and he gave the apostles, um, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. And again, God gave all these gifts to the body for a purpose, and that purpose is this, to equip the saints. And guess who the saints are? We are the saints to equip the saints for the what? The work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Listen, my friends, your gifts are designed to help build the body of Jesus. Ministry expands when everyone plays and not just a few. Again, my job, staff's job, is to serve as kind of player coaches to, to come alongside and to help you discover your gift, to use your gift, so that the body of Jesus might be fully, um, may fulfill its purpose. My friends, listen, I, man, this is, this is a team sport and not just a few star players. So, so what does this look like? What does this look like practically? My job, our job, the staff's job, the elder's job is to train you, to equip you to fix what's broken in your life. Not to come to me, not to, and again, please hear me. This is, I, I, don't, I don't want this to sound really weird. It's not, hey, don't, don't call me, don't text me. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying my job, our job is to help you when stuff happens, when stuff pops off, you know how to deal with it because we've equipped you, we've trained you to do it. Another thing that we equip you to do is to align your life with the word of God and the kingdom of God. So if your life kind of goes off the rails, our job is to equip you to know how to bring your life back into alignment with the word of God. 
That may include confession and repentance. How to confess your sins and how to repent, how to repent of your sins so that life is brought back into alignment. Another thing that we're equipping, that we're called to do to equip you to do is to connect with Jesus for yourself and not say that, man, you know, man, when, when, Pastor, when Pastor Marvin prays, that, yeah, prayer gets through. Now, I need people to pray for me too. When Pastor Jack prays, oh my goodness, that like, like, no, Jack needs people to pray for him too. Man, when Ann Cody prays, like something happens. No, man, I'm telling you that, that this is our job is to connect you with Jesus and to know how to love Jesus for yourself. The other thing that we, equi- we want to equip you to do is to establish the, the authority of the Word of God in your life so that you know what God says about marriage, about finances, about sex in marriage, sex outside of marriage, what God, how, how, to, how to actually listen to the voice of God, our job is to equip you to do that. Now I know that, that that's, again, it takes a mindset shift for us to think that way. And this is what we're attempting to do. This is where we're moving. And so I mem- we mentioned last week um, that we, had gone through a uh, kind of a a difficult and painful staff restructure. And that restructure included um, a a reduction in um, the staffing budget by 20%. And we did that for a couple of reasons. We did it because we want to bring our staff into alignment with our mission and vision, which is we want to help people to, uh, to grow in their relationship with God. That's the first bucket. The second one is to, uh, to gather, to know how to gather together, not only in this space, but to also learn how to gather personally for worship. That's the second bucket is gather. The third bucket is group. To, to, for you and I to be face-to-face around the Word of God, caring for one another, but also challenging one another to be disciples, to be learners, to be students. And then we have our, um, kind of our goal bucket, that is local and global. And so we wanted to gather our, uh, restructure our staff around those buckets. And then we added two more, the next generation bucket to say, how do we reach the next generation with the word of God? How do we reach the next generation with the gospel? And then operations, how do we, how do we operate all that God has given us? So the first reason is, man, we wanted to align, and and a realignment was important for us. And then the second reason we did is because there was a significant reduction in giving over the last several years. And so we said, okay, we we have to make some changes. We have to think differently about our staff. So we went through a process called VSO, which is what we call Voluntary Separation Opportunity or Option where um, we, gave, um, we gave literally the entire staff um, the option to voluntarily leave staff. And that's risky, but we believe that it was, it was important for that to be true for everybody on staff and not just a few people. And so about seven individuals, seven full-time individuals and a number of part-time individuals took the VSO. And we gave them a very, very generous severance. 
I tell you, that was a painful process, but we believe it was the right process. So now we are structuring around those buckets and who those, those individuals are. So for the, uh, for the grow category or bucket, um, Carolyn Kirsten is, um, is, is, is our player coach for that particular bucket. And then for gather, Ben Diaz is our player coach for that particular bucket. And then for group, Ann Cody, many of you know these names, uh, Ann Cody, and you're going to see them a little bit later, not today, but as we move forward, Ann Cody is our player coach for the, um, uh, the group bucket. And we don't have a player coach for the, 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 uh, the go bucket just yet, but we are just as committed to the go bucket, uh, the local and global, as we've ever been. We believe that there is plenty of room at the table for people who are far from God to hear the gospel, both locally and globally. And then for our player coach for the, uh, for the next generation is Belinda uh, Lundbjarki. Many of you know her. And then um, our player coach for operations is Dave Maxey. Many of you know him. And so man, I, I, we, we, I wanted to say those things is because we have to shift our thinking about who ministry belongs to. It belongs to you. It belongs to John and Mary. It belongs to you. And Moses, Jethro tells Moses, move and shift your thinking from doing the work of ministry to actually equipping people for ministry. Does this make sense? Okay? So here's the second, the second shift that I think is important or that we see in the text. And that second shift is uh, we need to think differently about our style. Think differently about our style. And we talk about style, we're talking about moving from doing all the work yourself as Moses was doing to now moving to sharing the load of ministry with others. Sharing the load of ministry with others. And here is, here's the text. Here's the text. And I just want to focus on just a small piece. And it says, this is verse, verse 21, moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over people as chiefs of the thousands, of hundreds, and of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. So Jethro gives Moses advice. So you need to think differently about the style of your ministry and leadership. That's true for our church, that's true for our staff. It's not just equipping, showing how, but now releasing ministry into the hands of people like you. You know, the interesting thing is, is that whenever we make 
ministry, whenever we make you to feel subordinate to what I do or what Jack does or what staff does, man, that is so against what Scripture says. Your gift is just important, is just as important as mine. Well, wait a minute, Marvin, but you're the pastor. So? Your gift of mercy is just as significant as my gift of exhortation in preaching. But you're on the platform, and I don't know as much. So? God has given you gifts, and our job is to not hoard, but our job is to entrust ministry to you as full-fledged partners. Like, I, like I should have got like one amen right there, somebody who knows the Bible, somebody like, like no, like seriously, that, 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 that we share this ministry together. Your preaching looks different than mine. Your ministry looks different than mine. But we lock arms and we share this ministry in such a way. You are a full partner, not because you give a certain amount, not because you have a certain seat. No, you are gifted by the Spirit of God. You are gifted by God himself to do ministry just like everybody else. Amen. Okay, now y'all giving me the sympathy, amen, right? <laughs> Everybody gets to play, and everybody gets to start, and everybody gets a turn at bat. This is the ministry. This is a, this is a whole mindset shift. If you think that the pastor does it all, then I'm asking the Spirit of God, God, please shift our thinking so that we know that ministry belongs to everybody. Ministry belongs to the people. You know, you have gifts and abilities that God wants to mine out. And some of you are thinking like, ah, I never thought that I could actually use my gift for that. And God says, I want you to use gifts. So, so we are, so it's a mindset shift of not hoarding ministry, but actually sharing it with others as full partners in this work. Let me give you the last mindset, um, the mindset shift that I think is important is that we need to think differently about structure. We need to think differently about structure. And the text uh, says that Jethro gives Moses this advice. He says, I want you to break the people up into thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. Listen to what the text says. Um, he says, the, the, so we need to think differently about structure, so we need to decentralize. Listen to what the text says. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and, and hate a bribe. Place such men over people as people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. 
So the advice that Jethro gave, Jethro gave Moses, he says, I want you to now, instead of having the people come to you, I want you to train people so people can come in to, to live and work and serve in smaller communities. My friends, what we do here on Sunday morning is just a little sliver, not just a little sliver of what I believe what God wants to take place. I understand that discipleship and helping people to follow Jesus, this is only, like, like, like this is only a small part. And even after you leave, 30 minutes, 45 minutes after we're done, you might remember a quarter of what I've said. I recognize that. And that's the reason we have to be in smaller communities to challenge one another, to care for one another, to love one another, to push one another forward to live for Jesus. That's the reason small groups are so important to us. So we're going to be talking about what does it mean to get connected to a small group where you can be face-to-face with other people around the Word of God. So that group helps you to live differently. Small group that I'm a part of, these men and these women help me to live differently. I'm in a small group with individuals who challenge me as a pastor, and I'm not even a pastor in the group. I am simply Marvin Williams in the group, and they challenge my thinking, and they challenge my life, and the way I deal with my family, they actually help me to live differently. And I am so glad that there are, I don't pull the pastor card, I'm the pastor, what are you doing talking to me that way? No, they just say, Marvin, you're wrong. And I do get kind of salty a little bit sometimes, like, and, and they tell me, like, no, you're wrong. And that, that has been a great benefit to me. The other thing that, that you're going to hear more and more of is breaking our church down into discipleship groups, huddles, whatever, smaller groups so that we follow Jesus. This is just one part of what we do on the weekend here, but the real ministry in life happens when you and I gather together face-to-face around all that God has for us. This is a part of it, but this is just a small part. So, what does this look like? It looks like, um, it looks like this little sense of uh, learning from the fire ants. And I'm gonna show you this little clip and um, it's, it's a, it, it speaks well of what we are uh, hopefully attempting to do. Let's take a look at this, this video. Creatures that were once living on the forest floor now need to find other ways of getting around during the flood. The busy life of a fire ant colony has to carry on regardless.
By linking legs, the worker ants create a living raft, supported by the surface tension of the water. Free now to move through the forest, these vicious stingers make the most of the flood. They use it to spread to other parts of the Amazon. On this lifeboat, the queen and her young need to be kept safe and dry. But there's no getting away from hungry fish. Once in the open river, they are at the mercy of the current and unpredictable waves. If they are lucky enough to hit land, the soggy ants disentangle and disembark, unloading the family as they go. After a little toweling off, the worker ants soldier on carefully guiding their queen to safety. Isn't that incredible? That's incredible. Listen, COVID has happened and we soldier on. Life has happened and we soldier on. And we soldier on not to get the queen ant someplace. We soldier on to one purpose, to glorify the name of Jesus, our king, so that the world might know that there is a king, he's a good king, he died and rose again with all power in his hand, and he has empowered the church. He has empowered you and me. We lock arms, we lock shields, like those fire ants, and we work together with one purpose, it's to glorify God. And when we do that, we are unstoppable. No storm, no flood can stop the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Carolyn, my friend, back to you. Amen. That gets me fired up. I, well, love, the, I have the shirt, I have the sticker, the life is better together, I sign emails with it, and it's true. God has equipped each of us. He's given us gifts and abilities specifically to use in the church. 
And this is an inspiration to me, and I hope it is to you too, to yeah. find out where, what's my spot. We all have a role to play. I mean, we could talk about the church is a body, and everybody, every part has an important role. One of my favorite things about VBS is the variety of ways that people can get involved in serving there, whether that's snacks, whether that's working with kids. And one story from several years ago, when we first started doing those blast electives, I asked a woman, I knew she did cupcake decorating, and I asked her if she would be willing to lead a cupcake decorating elective. And she actually got emotional thinking and said to me, really? Like, cupcake decorating is my thing. I had no idea I could use that to serve God at church, but she can, and you can too. All of us have a role to play. I don't know. I could probably preach another sermon, but that is not what Let's we... get a bonus sermon. Let's go. Okay. No, that's, we also have our Sunday afternoon naps because we yeah, are napping right. as spiritual. So we're <laughs> moving on to that as well. But friends, so excited. We are a church family. We each have a role to play. Have an awesome week. We are better together. Take care.